Welcome to the Humans Under Grace Bible Study Podcast. We're getting ready to have an old-fashioned line-on-line, precept-on-precept study of God's Word to search out those deeper truths and gain a greater understanding of the Bible. We would love for you to join us today as we dig in and learn what it is God would truly have us to know from the letter that He wrote to us. Hello, God bless you, and welcome into the study today. We're very glad to have you. We're going to be picking it up in Revelation chapter 3, verse 7. Now, we are going through the seven churches. An important thing is not the church's names or where they're at, but the doctrine that they're teaching. Out of the five that we've covered so far, only one has found favor with Christ, and that was Smyrna. Now, in this seventh verse, we're going to get into Philadelphia, And this is the only other church out of the seven that Christ approved of, approved of their teaching and approved of what they were doing. With that being said, let's go ahead and get right into it. Revelation chapter 3, verse 7, we ask for clarity and understanding from our Father in Jesus' name. And verse 7 reads, And to the angel of the church of Philadelphia write, These things saith he that is holy, he that is true, he that hath the key of David, He that openeth and no man shutteth, and shutteth and no man openeth. Now this key of David is very important. And if you turn with me to Isaiah chapter 11, we're going to just see where this key of David came from. Isaiah chapter 11. We're going to pick it up in verse 1. And there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse, And a branch shall grow out of his roots, and the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. And he shall make him of quick understanding in the fear of the Lord, and he shall not judge after the sight of his eyes, neither neither reprove after the hearing of his ears, but with righteousness shall he judge the poor and reprove with equity for the meek of the earth. And he shall smite the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips shall he slay the wicked. Now what's that saying right there? That true word, John chapter 1 verse 1, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. That, And then the word was made flesh. This Christ child that came into the world, he was raised quick. He had a quick understanding about him, and he was righteous because he had the Spirit of God in him. Verse 5, And righteousness shall be the girdle of his loins, and faithfulness the girdle of his reins. Now, let's move over to Isaiah chapter 22. Isaiah chapter 22, verse 22. Just a little skip ahead. And the key of the house of David will I lay upon his shoulder, this being Christ. So he shall open and none shall shut, and he shall shut and none shall open. That key of David is understanding the lineage of Christ from Adam to David, from David to Christ. Because without understanding that lineage, then you can allow others to creep in unaware. Those those who claim to be of our brother Judah but are not and are the synagogue of Satan that have crept in all the way back 
from First Chronicles chapter 2. We have witness there of them creeping in. And as long as you have that key, and as long as you keep this word and have this word sealed in your head, in your mind, then those doors can't be shut. No one can take that from you. Now back over in Revelation. Let's pick it up in chapter and in, uh, in verse eight. I know thy works. Behold, I have set before thee an open door, and no man can shut it, because they have that truth in their head. No man can strip that truth of them. For thou hast a little strength, and hast kept my word, and hast not denied my name. Behold, I will make them of the synagogue of Satan, which say they are Jews and are not, but do lie. Behold, I will make them to come and worship before thy feet, and to know that I have loved thee. Now, this synagogue of Satan, people get all kind of confused about this and wonder what's going on. Let's move back to Matthew chapter 13 right quick. Just cover in Christ's words who this synagogue of Satan is. All right, we're going to go to Matthew chapter 13, and we're going to be picking it up in verse 36. Then Jesus sent the multitude away and went into his house. Now, he has been speaking in parables, and he's been teaching in these parables. The reason for that is because he knows that many, even though they see they're not going to, they don't understand. Even though they hear it, they won't understand it. Now, he sent the multitude away. This is just him and his disciples. And his disciples came unto him, saying, Declare unto us the parable of the tares of the field. Verse 37. He answered and said unto them, He that soweth the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world. The good seed are the children of the kingdom. Now, that's very straightforward. The field is the world. The, good, the, the sower of the good seed is the son of man, and the good seed are the children. Very straightforward. But the tares are the children of the wicked one. That's pretty straightforward also. The enemy that sowed them, it, that sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the world, and the reapers are the angels. As therefore the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so shall it be in the end of this world. The Son of Man shall send forth his angels, and they shall gather out of his kingdom all the things that offend and them which do iniquity, and shall be cast into the furnace of fire, and there shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Now, he just straight on said that that synagogue of Satan is of Satan's children. A lot of people have problems with this, but that's what he's warning us of back over in Revelation. And to understand that, you have to go all the way back to Genesis chapter 3. The first prophecy in the word of God, Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. I will put enmity between thy seed and the woman's seed. God calls it out right there. Speaking to the devil, speaking to Satan. Talking about his seed and the woman's seed. Two different seeds, one good and one wicked. 
Now back here in Revelation chapter 3, verse 10. Because thou hast kept my word, kept the word of my patience, I also will keep thee from the hour of temptation, which shall come upon all the world to try them that dwell upon the earth. Some people try to take this verse out of context and try to prove doctrines that cannot be proven through this. Whenever it says, I will keep thee from the hour of temptation, why would he keep those who know the truth from the hour of temptation? It's because that door is open in front of them. That seal is in their mind. They're not tempted by the Antichrist. They're not tempted by Satan because he know, they, we know he's a dead man walking. So there's no temptation there. That's why we are kept from that temptation. I like the way Moffat translates this. He said, you'll keep you safe through the hour of temptation. You'll keep your mind strong. Nobody's flying away. Nobody's getting out of here before that happens as far as a rapture is concerned. It's our duty to stand and fight. It's our duty to, as, as the elect, to allow the Holy Spirit to speak through us so that even the naysayers would look around and go, oh, hold on, eh? you know, this is, this is actually prophecy coming true. And many will be converted at that time because of the witness of the elect allowing the Holy Spirit to speak through them. Verse 11, Behold, I come quickly. Hold that fast which thou hast, that no man may take thy crown. Him that overcometh will I make a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go no more out. And I will write upon him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, which is in New Jerusalem, which cometh down out of heaven from my God, and I will write upon him my new name. Now, you know, one thing about this, the uh, a pillar in the temple of my God, if you get to, or whenever we get to Revelation 21, we'll see that, in the new heaven and the new earth and that new age, that new eon, that the Father is the temple therein. So, basically, we're in there working with Him. We're right there with Him. Always just, I mean, just as close as you can get. Verse 13. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. And unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. That just gave you right there. He's the Alpha and the Omega. Verse 15, I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. They're lukewarm. I would thou wert cold or hot. Pick a side. He don't want, he, you know, these folks that try to play political correct and, and try to tickle everybody's ears and say just what this person wants to hear and then don't want to offend this person with the word of God. We've got we've to sugarcoat it and, you know, we've, we've got to play around, dance around real light now. That's not, that's not good. He said, I wish, you were, I wish you were either hot or cold. Pick a side. Make your mind up. Stand for something. Don't be wishy-washy. Don't be a reed shaking in the wind. Verse 16. So then, because thou art lukewarm, and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. I don't want you around. 
Verse 17, because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. Materially, they're set. They've got everything. They're rich materially. But spiritually, they don't have very much in that account. Verse 18, I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in fire that thou mayest be rich and white raiment that thou mayest be closed. Now this white raiment, what we learn later in this book of Revelation that the raiment that we wear in heaven are the robes of righteousness made of our good works that we've done here. You know, it's not going to be good to show up and not have any clothes to wear, being that they're robes of righteousness. And a good work don't mean you've got to go out and, and you know, save countries and do all this other stuff. Just a smile to somebody that's feeling down. That's a good work. Holding a door for somebody. That's a good work. Even, even just a, a pat on the back. It's good stuff. And, continuing in verse 18, And the shame of thy nakedness do not appear. And anoint thy eyes with salve, that thou mayest see. So, search into this word. Get your eyes. Pray for the eyes to be opened. Get this gold. Buy of him that gold. This word that is so pure. That will... It's an investment into the spirit which increases and the material things, they come and go. They're, I mean, they're not going to be, they're, they're, you can't take any of it with you. But the spirit is where it's important. Verse 19, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Now, this is that, this is that tough love that God will put out there. If he loves you, and you start veering off, he's going to correct you. He's going to pull you back around. But if he allows somebody to drift way off and just kind of don't, don't chastise them, don't chasten them, well, then they, they might have they fouled up. Verse 20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him and will sup with him and he with me. And what this is showing right here is individual salvation. Even if there's an individual that is going, that is grouped with this group here that's lukewarm. And Christ is tugging on his heart and he allows him to come in. And he starts buying of that gold of this word. And starts building those raiments. That individual will receive that salvation. Verse 21, To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and am set down with my Father in his throne. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Out of all seven of these churches, only two, Smyrna and Philadelphia, found favor. And both of them were teaching. Stand strong. Know who the synagogue of Satan is. Understand that. 
Learn the parable of the of the of the wheat and the tares. Understand John chapter eight, where he tells the Pharisees, "You are of your father the devil, who was the first murderer." Understand those things, and pray for those eyes to be open, that even understanding the world ages. Even understanding what happened in the beginning, way back before this flesh age, this flesh age was here. But the reason for this flesh age being the, the revolt and the overthrow of Satan, the rebellion that caused the catapult, that caused us to be in this flesh anyway. All right, moving on. Chapter 4 and verse 1. After this I looked, and behold, a door was open in heaven, and the first voice which I heard was as it were of a trumpet talking with me. Now here's some of this symbolism that throws people off. What this means is it's commanding, basically. You think of a trumpet, and that's something that, you know, in in uh, armies and stuff, uh, uh, a trumpet is what commands the troops. You get a charge, you get a retreat, or what have you. Which said, come up hither, and I will show you the things which must be hereafter. And immediately... I was in the spirit, and behold, a throne was set in heaven, and one set on that throne. Now, John is in the spirit now. This is the first vision in heaven. So he's taken to the Lord's day, and now he's looking back on what happened just prior to that seventh trump being sounded and the return of Christ. Verse 3, And he that set was to look upon like a jasper and a sardine stone. And there was a rainbow round about the throne, that Shekinah glory, in sight like unto an emerald, everything so pure. And round about the throne were four and twenty seats, and upon the seats I saw four and twenty elders sitting, clothed in white raiment, and they had on their hand heads crowns of gold. And out of the throne proceeded lightnings and thunderings and voices. And there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne there was a sea of glass like unto the crystal. And in the midst of the throne and round about the throne were four beasts full of eyes before and behind. And the first beast was like a lion, and the second beast like a calf, and the third beast had a face of a man, and the fourth beast was like an eagle. Now, these four beasts, if we take these and we look at what they, they look like, the lion, the calf, the man, and the eagle, we see that these are the standards or the... the flags, basically, that the north, south, east, and west west tribes would uh, come under. Basically, if you're in America, you're under an American flag. Now, in Numbers, chapter 3, we get, or excuse me, chapter 2, we get the layout of the encampment of the 12 tribes of Judah, I mean, of the 12 tribes of Israel. And to the east was Judah, the lion. To the west was Ephraim, 
who was the bull, or the cow. To the north you had Dan, which was the eagle, and to the south, Reuben, which was a man. Now, an interesting thing, later on we'll see these again, and the man will be replaced due to the fact, but he, but will come back again, as, as they're mentioned a third time, most likely because of the symbolism that Dan ran off. He was the first tribe to really just go full-fledged into idolism, idol, idol worship. So anyway, that's the explanation behind these, these beasts, is that it's showing the north, south, east, and west encampments and those standards for the tribes of Israel. Verse 8, And the four beasts had each of them six wings about him, and they were full of eyes within, and they rest not day and night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. And when those beasts gave glory and honor and thanks to him that sat on the throne, who liveth forever and ever, the four and twenty elders fall down before him that sat on the throne and worship him that liveth forever and ever, and cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For thou hast created all things for thy pleasure. They are and were com created. Many people get around this, get it in their head, why was I born? Why am I even here? What's my purpose? It says it right there, that last verse in chapter 4, verse 11. For thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. We were created to please God. Hopefully everyone who studies his word, if you study his word, you're pleasing him. Hopefully everyone that studies his word every once in a while tell him, Hey, you know, I love you, Father. You know how much that pleases him? Because that's the one thing that he cannot force is love. He can't force anybody to love you because to love him because then it would be fake love. That's where that pleasure comes in, that pleasure of knowing and hearing from your children that they love you. All right, chapter 5. We'll get into this a little bit. Chapter 5 and verse 1. And I saw in the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book written within and on the backside sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals thereof? And no man in heaven nor in earth, neither under the earth, was able to open the book, neither to look thereon. And I wept much, because no man was found worthy to open and to read the book neither to look their own. Now, this kind of this this got this has John pretty upset cuz he knows what's in that book is important. But there's nobody able to do it. It just, you know, it's just got him all kind of messed up. Verse 5. And one of the elders saith unto me, Weep not. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. Christ did it. He paid the price, and now he's going to be able to loose these seals and tell us what's happening, what's going down. 
And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne and of the four beasts, and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb, as it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent forth into all the earth. Now again, this is symbolism. Don't think that there's a goat standing down here that's got seven horns and seven eyes. This is Christ. That seven is spiritual completeness. And horns are symbolic of power. Those seven horns, he, he's, he has that power. He was the lamb slain, and he has that power over death. Verse 7, And he came and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. And when he had taken the book, the four beasts and four and twenty elders fell down before the lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. You know, some might think that their prayers just fall on deaf ears. They're bottled up, and they're waiting. Those prayers, every prayer, makes it. Verse 9, And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book, and to open the seals thereof. For thou wast slain, and hast redeemed us to God by the blood of every kindred and tongue, and people, and nation, and has made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. Now, this reigning on the earth, to be kings and priests, that is to be a Zadok, as it's mentioned in Ezekiel chapter 44, along about verse 22, 25. And it's those, it's the saints. It's those who overcome, it's those who don't fall to that hour of temptation, but stand and allow the Holy Spirit to speak through them. And to, to be kings and priests and reign means to be able to stand and teach during that millennium. It's not reigning over people like, you know, you're oppressing anybody. But it's being leaders of the people, teaching the people the truths that need to be taught. And, and given the discipline that has to be had to follow Christ and not fall away. Verse 11, And I beheld, and I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne, and the beast and the elders, and the number of them was ten thousand times ten thousand and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb, that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. Now let's count that. Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power, one, riches, two, wisdom, three, strength, four, honor, five, glory, six, and blessing, seven, spiritual completeness. Verse 13, And every creature which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and such as are in the sea and all that are in them, heard I saying, Blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb forever and ever. And the four beasts said, Amen. And the four and twenty elders fell down and worshiped him that liveth forever and ever. Every knee shall bow in that day, 
every knee shall bow. When that seventh trump sounds off, whenever that is put into action and Christ comes back and he steps down as a thief in the night because everybody will be in that hour of temptation. Everybody's going to be looking at the Antichrist and thinking, oh man, look, Christ is back. And then he sneaks in and he steps down on that Mount of Olives, clearing the way right to the temple and showing the world that he is the true Christ and they've been deceived. You got to remember that same time when he does step his foot back down. At that point, we will be instantly, within the twinkle of an eye, transformed into our spiritual bodies. This flesh will melt away. As it says in Zechariah chapter 14, it, it just, it's gone. It dissolves, basically. And there we'll be standing in our spirit and we'll have 100% recall. And everyone who is deceived is going to look around and go, uh-oh, we followed this guy. And we, and the whole time, should have known that the true Christ comes at the seventh, not at the sixth trump. All right, we'll stop there. We'll pick it up in chapter six in the next study. And we'll start opening these seals up and see exactly what's fixing to go down. God bless y'all. Y'all have a great day. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Humans Under Grace Bible Study Podcast. If you have any questions that you'd like answered on the podcast, you can write to us at Humans Under Grace, P.O. Box 1467, Tatum, Texas, 75691, or you can email us at questions at humansundergrace.com. Thank you, and God bless you.